Chapter Eighteen of A Prairie Schooner Princess by Mary Catherine Mall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eighteen: A Life for a Life. Meanwhile, Joe was having a thrilling experience. While his father and mother stood gazing after him with prayers on their lips, the boy was leaning forward over Kit's neck, urging her forward with voice and knees. A great fear filled him. A terrible and undefined horror chilled his blood and knocked heavily at his heart. They've got Nina. They've got Nina. He said over and over to himself until the words formed themselves into a kind of a chant that beat itself out in time to the thudding hoofs. He had no consciousness of time or place or distance. His one frantic impulse was for speed. Speed. It was not until he felt the mare heave and stumble under him that he came to himself and realized that she was nearly done. Poor Kit, he muttered, checking her up and stroking the heaving sides and panting neck. I mustn't kill you, whatever happens. He slipped down from her back, rubbed her down with grass, then cooled her mouth and sponged her nose with water from the precious flask he carried. When she had ceased to heave and began to breathe more naturally, he mounted again and tried to curb his urging spirit to her strength. Kit had been born on the Ohio farm, and Joe had loved and tended and petted her from a colt. She knew every tone of his voice and would come to him at his call. She was not, as his father had reminded him, a riding horse. Her gait was not suited to the saddle and as she had always been used for farm work, riding her was a painful and difficult matter. But Joe was not thinking of his own comfort now. He was thinking of Nina, Nina in the hands of the Indians, Nina in the clutches of the renegade with red hair. As the sun began to droop low in the west, he reined up and looked about him. Over the whole vast expanse of the prairies no living thing was in sight. Nowhere was there any sign of the Indians. And he recalled with a sore heart what his father had said, that with their swift ponies it would be impossible for him to catch up with them. He felt weak and faint, and dismounting slipped the bridle over Kit's head and let her graze while he threw himself down on the grass and drank from the flask of water and ate some of the lunch that his father had put up for him darkness fell swiftly these days before the sun and purple in the western sky had faded the shadows of night were darkling over the plains he urged kit forward determined that he would not sleep that neither he nor she should know rest until he had reached bellevue and set the government agencies at work to rescue nina darkness was closing in about him when turning to scan the empty circle of the horizon he saw outlined against the fading sky a curl of smoke his heart gave a great leap could it be the camp of the indians his breath came quick and fast, and whirling Kit sharply about, he dashed madly across the prairies toward it. Boy-like, he did not stop to consider what he would do when he got there, whether the encampment was that of friend or foe, or how. 
in case it should be the band who had abducted the little princess he should set about to rescue her all he thought about was to get there the rest would come when he was on the ground kit had got her second wind now and travelled steadily jolting and shaking the boy on her back cruelly but covering the ground at a good gait he knew that he could not reach the point from whence he saw the smoke rising for nearly an hour and realized that he must not approach it before darkness had completely enshrouded the plains and the camp had settled down for the night as he came nearer his heart was gladdened and at the same time shaken by the sound of the tom-toms and the rhythmic chants of voices checking up his horse he rode more slowly biding his time until the camp should be shrouded in darkness and sleep when darkness came he could make out the red glare of the campfire against the sky and could see the silhouette of dusky figures dancing about it he got down and muffling kit's nose in his handkerchief lest she should whinny he walked beside her ready at an instant's notice to check her slightest noise he could hear the singing plainly now but did not know enough of indian lore to realize that the song they were chanting was not a war song but the hymn of the buffalo hunt appealing to the great spirit to bless the chase and give them meat for their lodges and covers for their teepees before the coming of the big snows as the boy crept nearer his very heart was in his throat he saw presently that the camp was on a creek that there were scrubby trees behind it and a tangled thicket ahead afraid to lead kit any nearer he took her to the outmost fringe of the thicket and tied her securely with the handkerchief still over her nose then he crept forward through the brush he could see the camp plainly now the teepees were set up along the banks of the creek the great fire in the centre of the half-circle and on the ground was the newly removed hide of a buffalo while the savoury smell of its roasting flesh still hung in the air creeping up as close to the teepees as he could and still remain in shelter he looked and listened intently was nina in one of those tents which one would she be alone would it be possible for him to reach her doubts questions and anxieties struggled in his mind as he lay hidden in the thicket at last the feast was over the music ceased the fire died down and squaws bucks and papooses slowly dispersed the lean cadaverous dogs that were always a part of an indian encampment prowled about the fire eating the offal but at last they too were surfeited and lay down to sleep joe waited his heart thumping so hard against his ribs that he feared the sleeping indians must hear it it seemed to him that hours passed now and then a baby cried a pony whined a dog growled or barked gradually snores came to his ears long sonorous snores short barking snores but all of them snores that he was more than glad to hear after a time he moved his cramped limbs and slowly got to his knees then to his feet 
with cautious movements he parted the undergrowth about him and began to crawl through whenever a bit of brush crackled he threw himself flat on the ground and tried to burrow himself out of sight but at last after much toilful and noiseless wiggling he got clear of the thicket and stood just within its shadow in the open before him were the teepees he knew that if nina were with this band she must be in one of them but which cautiously noiselessly he worked his way around the edge of the thicket nearer to the teepees then on his hands and knees crawling so close to the ground that he scarcely made a shadow he wormed his way across the open space he knew that his life was not worth an instant's purchase if he was discovered he felt positive that detection meant death but nina was there in the hands of her enemies he must get her at last he reached the teepees crawled nearer to their openings was listening before their doors from the nearest one came loud deep snores it was a man's snore she could not be there he crept on from the next came the whimpering sound of a baby's cry something told him that she would not be there with redoubled caution he wormed his way along to the next listening intently he thought he heard a stifled sob his pulses leaped waiting and listening with bated breath he crept nearer it came again someone inside the teepee was crying someone was crying it was not a child it could not be a squall squalls did not cry it must be nina how should he call her how let her know that he was there cautiously he raised himself cautiously with slow noiseless movement he raised the flap of hide that covered the opening of the teepee it was so dark inside that at first he could see nothing then gradually as his eyes became accustomed to the blackness he made out a heap of leaves and branches at one end of the teepee on which lay a gray-haired squaw and his heart gave a great leap that almost made him cry aloud as he saw on the blanket beside her the white face and golden hair of the little princess it was all he could do to stifle the cry that rose to his lips but he knew that the least sound would be fatal now so locking his teeth hard he slid forward like a great serpent and bent his face close to the sobbing little girl slipping his hand over her mouth he whispered rapidly nina it is i joe be quiet i've come to save you quietly as he had entered soft almost noiseless as was his whisper it woke the squall who set up a great outcry and darted past him out of the tent before the boy could move or the startled girl rise from her crouch of branches a man in a long gray shirt rushed through the opening as he came joe thrust his foot between the long legs and tripped him and as he fell headlong caught up the princess in his arms and leaped over the prostrate body the teepees were placed on the bank above the creek and back of them ran the line of scrubby timber and the tangle of thick undergrowth through which joe had worked his way 
the instant he found himself outside the teepee with nina in his arms he darted back of it and into the brush instantly the man in the long flapping gray shirt was on his feet and following them joe stopped long enough to catch his silhouette against the skyline and fire he saw him fall rise press his hand to his knee with a groan of pain then sink down into the brush dragging nina behind him he ducked between the legs of an indian who was rushing toward him bowled him over and dodged behind a tree he knew that he had not an instant to lose seizing nina by the hand he dragged her behind the tree then whispered rapidly they're after us they may get me but kit is just outside the edge of the thicket over that way he pointed try to get to her and go on to bellevue it can't be very far now we'll stick together if we can but if you see me fall don't wait make a dash for kit a great whoop from the teepees above interrupted his broken whisper and pushing nina before him he rushed on through the thicket through there through there he panted wiggle your way through the brush he leaned forward to push the undergrowth aside for her when a bullet whizzed through the air and his arm dropped to his side while a stinging burning pain shot through his chest i'm hit he gasped go on hurry whistle to kit you know my whistle she'll hear and answer you nina cast a horrified look upon him but he waved his arm impatiently then staggered back and fell slipping and sliding down the bank and into the water with a cry of horror she scrambled after him but he was nowhere to be seen the water at the foot of the embankment was ruffled and she knew that he must have sunk to the bottom for a moment she stood with hands locked in agony gazing down into the muddy depths then as a wild yelp sounded above her gave vent to a great sobbing cry and darted through the undergrowth taking the direction joe had pointed out to her joe badly wounded probably owed his life to his plunge into the muddy waters of the creek it brought him sharply back to his failing senses and instinct made him crawl close to the bank where under a heavy growth of coarse reed-like grass and rushes he was entirely concealed from the bank above he heard the rush of feet above him the yelp and howl of voices the loud angry cursing of a man in the english tongue then knew no more when he came to himself it was morning there was no sound to be heard and he was bitterly cold shivering as if with an ague he drew himself slowly and painfully out of the water and sat down on the bank his left arm hung limped and useless at his side and his shirt was stained and draggled with blood how long he sat there he could not tell he was weak and dizzy and his head was going around so fast that he could make no note of time he stooped presently and drank a little from the stream bathed his aching head and shook the water from his clothes then he got to his feet and weakly warily began making his way through the brush he wondered with a sinking heart what had become of nina whether she had got away or whether she had been captured again by red snake he could not go far at a time 
but stopping every little way to rest and ease the agony in his chest crept on the sun was up and shining hot in the heavens when he reached the edge of the thicket he called and whistled but there was no answer kit was not there suddenly he shrank back into the shelter of the undergrowth with a sickening heart across the flat surface of the plain he saw a troop of horsemen riding and from the way they rode he knew they were indians a groan burst from his lips he supposed they were hunting him and cowering back in the shelter of the scrubby undergrowth he gave himself up for lost he thought that of course they had captured nina and the horror and agony of the thought combined with the pain in his arm and chest rendered him almost unconscious dropping down upon the ground he gradually drifted away into a blank then into a wild fevered dream where all was confusion there was a great noise in the dream a rushing and thundering of hoofs a shaking of the ground as if with an earthquake whoops yells the crashing and smashing of timber and a great crowd about him he cried out and started up in terror outside on the plains a party of horsemen were thundering by and not far away a great red animal lay struggling in its death agonies with a group of indians about it joe raised himself painfully and creeping to an opening in the thicket looked out then suddenly he cried aloud these were not sioux with all the blood in his body roaring in his ears he listened to the guttural tones of the indians bent over the buffalo on the grass quickly ending its struggles he had picked up a few words of the indian language and by the dress of these men by the words that he could catch here and there he knew that they were omahas and pawnees with no further hesitation he crawled from his hiding-place and raising his hand above his head gave a weak call the indians whirled about swiftly and looked at him one of them detached himself from the rest and came toward him he had but strength enough to point to his wound and say heap sick then stumbled forward and fell at the indian's feet when he came to himself he was in an indian wigwam at first terror took possession of him thinking that he had again fallen into the hands of the sioux but his first stir brought an indian woman to his side who seeing his eyes open uttered a guttural explanation and ran from the wigwam immediately the opening was thrown back and a young buck entered joe half expecting to see red snake cowered down on the bed of boughs and skins but the indian who hurried to his side came with outstretched hand and a smile on his face there was something strangely familiar about him and as the boy gazed up at him he was struggling in his sick mind to place the face the indian bent over him smiled then thrust his hand inside his shirt and brought out a bright red necktie joe's heart gave a great jump of joy pashapado he cried and grabbed the slim brown hand then gazing about him where am i how did i happen to get here pashapado grinned at him and patted his hand 
you with my people pawnee village on platte river heap sick boy been here many sleeps i have joe rubbed his head confusedly how did i get here i don't remember oh as memory began to come back to him oh i was shot and some indian came my young men hunt buffalo find you heap sick bring you back big chief big chief my father oh and i am in your wigwam this is your camp pashipado nodded and you have been taking care of me pashipado i was hurt pretty bad i guess i believe i would have died there if your young man had not found me sure heap sick medicine man make you well joe grinned weakly he had not much faith in medicine men but he cared little who saved him as long as he was getting well i'm all right now ain't i he asked anxiously beginning to realize his great weakness and languor yep get little stronger eat heap meat joe suddenly remembered his arm and lifted it gingerly pashipado saw the movement and grinned all right now then laying his hand on the boy's chest here worse heap much hole bleed cough heap sick joe put his hand to his chest a rough poultice of leaves and herbs covered it he could feel that it was still sore but the burning stabbing pain that he remembered the last thing before he became unconscious was gone he turned and grasped the hand of the young indian tightly and his gratitude shone in his sunken gray eyes you're a true friend pashipado i guess you saved my life he said fervently then stopping now and then to rest when his breath gave out or a coughing spell came on he told the story of the assault of the sioux nina's capture his own pursuit his discovery of nina in the teepee and his shooting and escape i don't know whether they got nina again or not he concluded sorrowfully i did the best i could but when i got plugged in the chest i didn't know much afterward i told her to get through the thicket if she could and find kit but i don't know whether she made it and even if she did they might have gotten her afterward to think of that poor little girl in the hands of that brute his voice shook and he stopped abruptly pashipado patted his shoulder no worry he said she get home all right then who get indian carry off girl joe's face flushed and his eyes blazed no i don't believe there's any indian mean enough it was a white man he lives with the sioux squaw man i guess that's what they call him he's got some kind of a grudge against nina or her folks this is the third time he has attacked her he killed her father sometimes i have wondered if what kind man oh he's a big brute tall and terribly strong but thin and he's got red hair and a then as a sudden flash of memory came over him why say you know him 
that's the man that was trying to trade you out of that otter skin the first time i saw you ah ye ah ye big white man red hair live with santi sue drink heap fire water name red snake yes yes that's the man red snake who is he pashipato what is he doing living with red men what is his real name pashipato shook his head red snake all name i know heap bad man make heap trouble joe lay back on his blanket depressed and troubled while he knew that he was now safe his heart was rent with anxiety for nina and his parents he had been gone many sleeps he knew that by this time they must think him dead and nina poor little princess what of her where was she and what had she suffered while he lay unconscious in pasipado's wigwam he would have risen and tried to start forth at once but pashipado and pentel sharu his father the great chief would not allow it me take you when you can ride assured pashipado and with that assurance joe was forced to be content he found that he was in an indian settlement on buffalo creek where he was left alone day after day with the old men and squaws and papooses while the men of the tribe were away on the big fall hunt it was tedious business waiting for his wound to heal with so anxious a heart in his breast and it took all the patience and fortitude he possessed he played with the dogs and children and talked with the squaws whom he found to be kind and gentle and who seemed glad to teach him their own language learning meanwhile amid great laughter a little of the english tongue they had funny times making themselves understood by one another and while his wound healed and his strength came back day by day joe acquired a knowledge of the language and customs of the pawnee which stood him in good stead at a later day the pawnees lived in large circular houses called earth lodges with walls of dirt and a roof supported by trunks of trees set upright inside the walls the whole covered with poles grass and sod on the east side was a covered entrance and on the west were the sacred bundle and buffalo skull there was a hole in the center of the roof to let the smoke out and the people slept around the edge of the circle made by the walls and gathered about the lodge fire in the center of the enclosure to eat and talk the women raised crops of corn beans pumpkins squashes and melons and gathered the wild fruits and roots from the prairie and dried them for winter as they were now busy with the drying process joe often helped them telling them in his boyish way how they could better their farming and even taking a hand when he grew strong enough in showing them how to harvest their crops in an easier and more scientific manner he found them to be a very religious people and as they came to know him better and to grow fond of him he was sometimes allowed to attend their sacred rites they believed in a great spirit whom they called tarawa the father who made the people and who sent the corn the rain the buffalo the sunshine and all good things 
and he was permitted to witness some of the dances and ceremonials held by the tribe for the purpose of gaining the favor of tirawa in spite of his terrible anxiety about nina and the burning desire he had to get back to his parents and relieve their worry about him the days went by not unhappily he found the pawnees to be a quiet gentle people friendly to the whites and with high ideas of honor and honesty which surprised as well as delighted him the women were very kind to him gave him the best the lodges afforded to eat and nursed and tended him until he was able to wait upon himself he had no means of knowing how time had gone by to the best of his knowledge he must have been gone nearly a month when pashepado seeing his continual anxiety told him one morning that they would set out upon his journey homeward the next day joe could not sleep that night and was awake and ready before even the first prowling dog of the encampment was astir after a good breakfast he bade them all good-bye thanked the kind people over and over again for their care and hospitality and mounting the shaggy indian pony that pashepado had provided for him and well equipped with food and water they set forth toward home joe could never have found his way alone they wound along creek bottoms and by devious paths and trails which a white man would never have discovered and as they rode they talked joe found that his friend pashepado was not only an exceedingly intelligent young indian but a man of courage and principle as well he told the boy that his people had lived in what was then called the territory of nebraska for more than two hundred years that they had always been friendly to the white man but that the white brothers who had come among them had robbed and deceived them and were taking from them all that they had possessed as their own for so many centuries he talked sorrowfully of the condition of his people and said in a tragic voice that he knew that their day was past standing upon a little rise and sweeping his arm in a slow circle all about him he said all once belonged to my people but white man come and now my people are as the leaves on the trees in the winter yours as the grass in the fields if we rebel we get kill if twenty your people fall hundreds of mine must pay no hope the indian must go his day is ended the second day out they saw a great herd of buffalo feeding on the plains joe could see that it was hard for pashepado to pass them by unmolested can't we try to get a shot at them cried joe willing boy-like to risk anything for the sake of a stirring chase pashepado shook his head no shoot he grunted bring trouble we no want sioux come now then glancing at the boy who was still pale from his recent illness you no hunt now by me by when you strong me take you big hunt some day oh will you pashepado cried joe eagerly hooray and may lige come too jiminy that'll be great don't forget will you me no forget remarked pashepado with a smile that showed how fond he had grown of his young white friend 
on the third day or as pashepato expressed it three sleeps from the pawnee settlement joe began to recognize the landscape oh i know this road he cried out excitedly we traveled over it when we were coming out we made our noon camp right over there yes sir there's the signs of our fire yet we go straight west from here don't we pashepato looked into the flushed excited face of his young friend we know far from blue water now he said with a smile joe's heart beat hard and high as they came nearer and nearer to the homestead what should he find when he got there what might have happened while he had been away End of chapter 18